day to go fish. But um, so that was the first real opportunity we had, and uh, so it'd be like going to China today to start a job, to start a job that far out. So very remote, very steep terrain, and so anyway, we started. Uh, but distance was never a problem with Ted. I mean, he, he, if he, he, he can smell an opportunity. <laughs> he so, always did. <laughs> so anyway, um, that was a, a blessing that we did that. But from the seventies, uh, we traveled a lot. He sat on the board of directors of Canada out for those years. We were out of the country a lot on different uh, trips with them, building business for the worldwide gas and oil industry. And we always just, work was our middle name, I think. But then in 19, and, um, I don't remember quite the date that I started Visco, but uh, I was in the clothing business up to a point in my life. And Which I love because you did furs and you did so many different things. We did, we, did ni <laughs> we did nice things. And... Um, so that kind of got to be a, a, the, the supply and demand was, was drying up. The discount malls were coming around and everything. Mm -hmm. So we got out of that. And I started a company in Oak Ridge, Tennessee uh, that did hazardous waste. So we cleaned up a lot of the ha uh, hazardous contamination in Oak Ridge. We were over there 28 years. Yeah. And then uh, by this time, my husband Ted had gotten real sick, and uh, he didn't needed my help back in Phillips and Jordan. So I sold Abisco over to P and J, and then I came back in and took uh, the chairmanship and yeah. and gave him relief there. But anyway, we still run operate it today, and with a very good uh, staff. That I'm not as active as I once was, but. We have a very good uh, management there. Well, you, you definitely do. And so a couple of things. We all know Papal was a man of his word, but also a trick of the trade, too. He uh -huh. worked out every deal possible and really thought about it. So a couple of people, I mean, have brought up, but um, one thing that was really unique is he made a lot of his own parts, didn't he, for a lot of the jobs? He was a master at creating a necessary tool. Uh, we had a job out in the Redwood Forest years ago. We were taking out the stumps of these huge, just mammoth redwood trees. And we were out there, and we had a D9 um, with the blade turned in such a way that it should have really chipped that those things out, but the, the tractor was just bouncing off of them. So yeah. coming back across, when we got back in the plane, he said, we're losing our shirt out here. He said, I'm going to have to come with something that I can take these stumps out with. So he started drawing. He had a legal pad in his briefcase, and he started drawing. <laughs> Which he always carried. <laughs> but when we got home, he had designed. It's called a buster. So he designed that thing to where that it would fit on um, the proper application onto a D9. Uh -huh. So we go, of course, we have to go back out there and watch it. He put a thumb on the on a backhoe uh -huh. that had a, a grapple, if you know anything about uh, construction equipment. Mm -hmm. At that time, the grapple would 
it was almost like a hand without a thumb. Wow. It would grab the uh, materials. Yep. But he put a thumb, a hydraulic thumb on that thing, and where that it would come down and get the, the debris that this buster had busted away. So here we go back to California <laughs> to see this thing work, and man, did it work. I mean, it, it just destroyed. It almost made kindling out of those really? uh, those things are stuff. massive too. That's impressive. Oh, they're huge. You could this. you could put a truck on it and turn on. You could turn a pickup truck around on one. Oh, they were gosh. that big. But anyway, just those things like that. He would buy a new tractor, t take it apart, build up, weld up different parts of it. Yeah. He got a lot more longevity out of the piece of equipment than he would have had it had he used it as it came off the assembly line. But. Yeah, and another thing that is really unique about when, so for those who don't know, Mammal and I have had a really special relationship ever since I was born, basically, and we, I for design has basically been in my blood, I guess, from you and my mom in general, and I think that was something super unique that you and I have always gotten to share together. Uh -huh. um, tell us a little bit, because you mentioned to me whenever you started to kind of do school by mail for design, right? I did a correspondence course with something called uh, LaSalle University. I think it probably was in Chicago. I don't remember. Uh -huh. But it gave, number one, you had your house as your first project. So you were doing pictures of your own house. And oh I was gosh. making every mistake known to man in design. <laughs> <laughs> my, my design balance. I had no design balance. So anyway, I learned quite a lot from that. It took about three years to take the extended course. but and how, So you would do you would like a sketch and then you would correspond it by mail back to the university? You did pictures of your own house. Uh -huh. And you sent them in and they would criticize those. They let you know just how horrible oh they looked. <laughs> Anyway, and how to remedy it. They'd send the remedies back. And wow. so you learn to balance. You know, if you had a picture too small hanging over a sofa, you you had to get a bigger picture. You know, just the balance of the whole room. You know. Yeah. But I thoroughly enjoyed taking that course, and it really did help. And, uh, correspondence courses back in those days, you know, I was living in that little town. That was my only option. There was no other courses to be had. Computers had not been invented at that time. You were taking uh, brownie pictures of your house. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, we had, that's quite an experience, but I, I really realized that I did not know those kind of things, and I wanted to learn them. Yeah. I wanted to learn everything I could about it. So we've taken on some pretty mammoth um, mammoth projects through the years of office buildings and houses and resorts. Um, yes, <laughs> resorts. We we took that on anyway. We uh, I've been a very blessed person, and the fact that I've been had a lot of good people put into my life that has helped me, and they're still with me today. Some's been with me. Uh, um, Gail has been with me since she was 18, and she's now in her 60s. Uh, Janice has been with me 20-some years. That's big and, volumes, and they're uh, truly family at this and point. And my 
and Christy's been with me. She's part family, so she's been with me many, many years. Yeah. And I just have a good team of people that pull all this, help me pull all this stuff together. And That's no doubt. And the ranch has gotten to be another world all of its own, so we have a lot of responsibilities down there. Absolutely, and for those of you who don't know, we, we have a um, corporate facility that's in Tampa, Florida, that allows um, retreats to happen, that you can do private hunting, you can do di different things along that aspect, but we do it a lot of for corporate retreats and corporate events right now. Um, so, Mammal, we had some questions come in because I posted that you and I are going to be doing this session together, which this is the first episode of The Building Blonde that's back. I needed to take a little break just to refocus and reprioritize some things. And one thing that has really come into um, my realization is family this year. And I really thought it'd be unique to start from the bones of where our family started and go from that. So that's why I wanted you to be on my very first episode. So, um, Mamal, we have some questions to answer that we got asked, if you okay. don't mind, too. I don't mind. <laughs> so what was your favorite job that you have completed in the past? Oh, goodness. I'd have to think about that for a while. Um, as far as the building of homes and that sort of thing, developing the ranch, there was nothing when we went there. Yeah. Nothing. We bought a little cheap double-wide trailer and lived in that for uh, three years. We did not own the property. We had the property leased. Leased the property, yeah. And then three years into the lease, uh, the property had to be sold by the fellow that we had the lease with, so we ended up buying it. And therefore, that started the house, and then the bunkhouse, and then the conference center, and the, everything that had to be, and everything that was built was a known need, not just something we dreamed up. Right. And um, sleeping facilities, I guess we could sleep 40-some people without too many problems. Which is so um, impressive because when we're all down there and when you have functions down there for a lot of different various reasons, you don't feel like you're sleeping on top of one another. You you definitely feel spacious and that's something that I, I that's the personal place that I hold so near and dear to my heart because that's where we grew mm -hmm. up. We grew up with the best memories there, some of hard lessons learned there, <laughs> etc. Um, which Plenty of stories for later that we could definitely tell about me getting things stuck in places that I probably should never have been. But um, so that so that's going to be your favorite job that you've completed. Well, so yes, it, on a personal basis. It does not have to do with construction, of building of landfill or a dam or something like that. You know, this is just a personal achievement. What's the number one? construction job with either Avisco or Phillips and Jordan that has really stuck out to you from your lifetime? I guess my first job we got in Oak Ridge, uh, a whole new territory, whole different culture. Uh, the Department of Energy is quite different from working with the Corps of Engineers. Oh, um, yeah. All yeah. these different government agencies are very different to work for. I like the structure that we had at Oak Ridge. It was a known structure. You didn't have to go through and learn piece by piece. It was a known structure. I uh, had a very good cruise over there. We worked union. Okay. Met a lot of nice people through the union over yeah. there. And um, I guess just being able to wake up one morning and think, well, you know, we never thought we'd be here ever. And it's just something that opened me up for the management of uh, my own company 
that had nothing to do with Phillips and Jordan. They didn't. They really did not know what we did because it was so involved over there. So it it really set me up to uh, go forward in some responsibilities that I have today that I understand much better because I was I was responsible for a lot a lot of projects over there. Yeah, and it was very. Some were top secret, some were very high security clearance. Yeah, you had, you had security clearance for everything you did up there. I, I vividly remember this. I think I was about 10 years old. and So Mamo and I literally probably talk hope, every day, if not every other day, every couple of days. And I remember calling you one day and I said, why haven't you answered my call? And you said, now, Pet, I was in a national meeting, and I can't answer the phone sometimes. I had to check my phone. They would collect your phone when you would go in those meetings. No distraction. No said, distractions. No, no. And I just remember my eyes got this big, not only because you didn't answer my call, but it was because you were in a national security meeting, which I thought was very impressive because no that one was knew. That was an NSA, I think. <laughs> So we've had some fun times with, uh, I've loved hearing your experiences just over time and you've really taught me how to be in business myself and how to keep a level head and to treat everybody like they are family, but also treat everybody like they're professionals as well. So I, I really thank you for that because I, I probably wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have your leadership in business and Papal's leadership in business and dad's. The most valuable thing you can have are your people. You can go out and buy equipment all day long. But if you don't have those people that trust you and you trust them, and you don't have this camaraderie with that whole group of people, uh, you're lost. You know? Otherwise, your organization will not hang together. And in today's market, the loyalty that we have in our company is one of the things that sustains us through being able to keep these employees and keep people motivated and let them have a good time doing their job. Yeah, and so there's been quite a few employees that have retired over the ones that I've known at least. Mm -hmm. but what's the top employees number of years of working for P&J? Well, Patrick came, Patrick McMullen came to work for Abisco. He was 25. Patrick was 25? He was 25. Oh, my gosh. And he's a CPA, accountant by trade. Yeah. So. I thought he was, like, in his 30s, but I didn't know he was no. 25. That's amazing. 25. So he learned the construction business from the ground up. From the And uh, he was dealing with the, the figures as well as the big ca calculations mm -hmm. as well as... And then he go, we go on the job to see how those things were executed. So he's a very quick study. And he's with, still with us today, running. A, he's president of Phillips and Jordan today. And I just can't say enough for his leadership uh, in the company. And he's 60 years old now. And so we're all getting older. <laughs> I think you're rewinding in time a little bit, but that's my personal view. But you've had a lot of employees celebrate almost 40 years of employment, and a lot of them, they're well, second and third, and sometimes fourth generations from that I've heard at least. We've had some fourth generation. The grandfather, the son, uh, father, the son, now grandson. Which is so We've amazing. had some of that go on, and um, very dependable, very good people. And they love the atmosphere of, 
of the work now. A lot of our people have retired out. We, and then people get, uh, sometimes, you know, they get to the point that they don't want to do it do anymore as companies growing. They want to stay at that level. Well, you can't do that. You've always got to move forward in this business. Right. You can't. What was Papa saying? You can't move forward if you're going backwards. What was the? You can't. You can't move forward and and go backwards at the same time. So <laughs> that's that's the truth. And my my candies can't keep up with my, my want to. Oh, that was another favorite, and especially as he got older. He said my candies just cannot keep up with my want to. Well, I feel like that in business right now. My candies can't keep up with my want to. No, that's why these people are so valuable to have around you. Yeah. They can almost read your mind. They can. Mm -hmm. I look around sometimes at work and my design ladies, um, a lot of you have um, heard some of them speak and saw them on social media, but um, they'll read my mind. They'll finish the sentence before I do, but when I'm with a client and I'm like, that's what I want. I'm so proud and thankful that we're on the same page all the time to be able to do so. Um, all right, so here's another question. What was your proudest moment or what is your proudest moment this far? Well, um, if you want to bring it to a personal level, yeah. it's my family. Yeah. It has nothing to do with work. Yeah. You know, your family is most important. Always. And I always love being with the total family at, at a total time at one time. I love love that. Mm -hmm. It's getting harder and harder as these kids grow up and <laughs> go in different directions and have different desires in life. But it it's really a good thing for the family to get together. It is, and we do. I feel like we do a really good job of that. And mm -hmm. our family's very large and close knit, so um, I, I think that's a proud moment for sure, for sure. So, what was one of the hardest jobs that you've ever completed that you're very proud of for completing? I guess some of the um, more difficult jobs happen when you get a very rainy season. Everything we do is is attached to a rain schedule or a bad weather schedule. And if you get a very heavy rainfall in the wintertime, summertime, whatever, if it's unseasonably wet, that's one of the most miserable positions you can ever be in because yeah. you can't work, you can't you can you have employees assigned to that job and they can't get production and everybody's in a bad mood. You get a bright sunny day. The most big, the biggest blessing you have in this, is when you get the good weather and a job hums along. But uh -huh. that doesn't happen every day. It but doesn't. and I think with uh, people talking about climate change, I don't know that that climate change has as much to do with the weather as people are giving it credit to be, because we've always had wet El Ninos and oh, yeah. and. The, all the ninos that come along and you know you're always going to be subjected to that right and when you bid that i guess the old farmer's Al almanac is much better than nasa to predict really? this weather <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of nasa you just saw one of the rockets i was uh, my first uh, shot to watch go up and it was a it was a big one it was the largest largest uh, liftoff in the history the largest rocket to go and it's circling the moon I guess as we speak. I don't know how long it'll take it to get there. Well I hope you see the next one launch so you can see it go truly into space with people in it. Mm. I'm excited for that. And that's scary. It is scary. <laughs> it is scary and you've seen a lot over the years for sure. 
Um, next question somebody submitted. Did you ever have a role model or an idol that you followed? That's a hard question because you got to pick out different people in Robbinsville and uh, I had a lot of dear friends. I still have a, a lot of dear friends in my uh, that I grew up with and of course they're getting fewer and fewer but uh, as far as back with women in business in those days uh, I would look around I'd be the only woman in the room and wow. Because Ted always liked for me to be in the room. He said I would hear things he didn't hear. So he, he would invite me into the room to, to be there. But there were not very many women that, uh, that wanted to do the things I wanted to do. Yeah. And to be in those conversations and be in those types of rooms are not something that anybody got to encounter either sometimes, so those are extremely large meetings and or functions that you had to attend. They were. I learned most, I guess, when we were with the CANAB organization because we were out of the country so much. And, you know, you've got to learn different cultures, you've got to learn different things, and I was very open to that. Which that's something that I've always admired about you. You've always never, you've never judged a book by its cover, and you've never, never. questioned it. And one story, and I think that's what I've learned. That's a big mistake. Oh, yeah. Big mistake that people make today. They read what they see and not listen to what they're hearing. Correct. And I wish more people, and hopefully if they're listening to this, they can take that as some advice as well, which leads us to our next question. What, what, What could you tell your younger self if you could tell your younger self one thing? Well, sometimes I think we should be born backwards, you know, <laughs> with all this knowledge that we've acquired. We should have had that in our 20s, right. or 30s, <laughs> or 40s, or 50s, whatever. Like a Benjamin Button type of deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should have had a, a scripted thing, but um, no, I can't think. I think one thing that you've told me is just stay calm, stay steady. You've got to keep, keep your eye. On, you've got to keep your eye on the ball. If you start a project, you can't keep your eye off of it and follow through with it. And I think a lot of times that people will get in. Okay, so building a house, Piper, yep. as you're doing. Yeah. If you take your eye off that house and you don't really supervise the people that you have working on that house, if a mistake is made. It's not so much their fault as it is yours for not being on on top of it. So I found that to be true. If I have a project going, um, I'm on top of it. Now, obviously today I'm not going out on the jobs and everything as I once did, but we're seeing the figures. We we have computers now, so you can see those (laughs) spreadsheets and know whether you're alive or dead on one of them. uh, And you have the the weekly calls that that are able to keep you in. I hope everybody uh, keeps up with this next season because I'll hopefully have my dad on here to talk a little bit more about it too Uh and then some other aspects of our family to kind of talk uh, Uh with Phillips and Jordan and then um, along the lines of different construction industries that a lot of our families gotten into because dirt runs in our blood. We we all have an I think it does. Ted always had an eye for opportunity with Diversify and which became a good thing when the construction industry would go down. You know, we had other 
things going on that, uh, and these are things you had to go out and learn and really study and, and uh, get in the, get your hands dirty to think about it, whether you Absolutely. wanted to be involved in those things or not. Yeah. But Teddy does a great job, and uh, Patrick does a great job. Uh, Lisa's great with people, mm -hmm. and she goes with me to some of my functions. And, and her heart is as big as this entire United States, I think. <laughs> yeah, it is. World, so. and, uh, but uh, we have two other guys that... Uh, One's president of Heavy Civil, and that'd be Jerry Arbison, oh, very smart amazing. man. Uh, we have Morgan Pierce. He, uh, he's in charge of um, energy and energy-related energy projects. So, I mean, we just we have a good close-knit uh, group at the top. And Morgan is so talented and definitely the, one of the smartest men I know that also work along with Patrick. And so if anybody has any questions about Phillips and Jordan or how you can get involved with Phillips and Jordan if you're looking for civil construction engineering and various other aspects, please reach out and I would be happy to point you in the right direction for how to find job opportunities, where they're located, etc. And then um, uh, please ask me anything that you have um, in mind, if it is any questions related to history or anything else. Uh, oh, we do have um, a strong presence in uh, the job fair markets. Yes, all for the college fairs. For the college, different college groups. Uh, Teddy was very instrumental in getting a uh, accredited uh, engineering, well, it's construction management engine slice engineering for Western Carolina. Yes, which is an he amazing was on, program. When he was on the board, and it's given a lot of those kids of the mountains an opportunity to reach out and to give them a base to set up their lives. We're strong on it, on uh, taking young people and doing and in good minds and helping them get their education. Absolutely, and I love nothing more to see than Phillips and Jordan posting on Instagram saying we're at another college fair because that's something that so many people don't understand. Is the construction industry is something that's so unique. It's so rewarding in so many different ways, and it's such a large, broad spectrum of avenues that you can go. So. Definitely reach out to Phillips and Jordan if you see them at a college fair and just tell them that you talked to Mamo and I on the podcast. And yes, and usually it. the boys have graduated uh, USF. Patrick goes down there. Uh, he graduated from there. Uh, Teddy goes to Western uh, among several people that we have working with us that came out of Western. And we tried to slant it back to the point that they know, these kids know if they're coming and work their um, internship or apprenticeship mm -hmm. or whatever, that you know they're going to get paid while they're there and let them really see whether they want to come to work for this company or not. I think that's such an amazing thing, which gets us to a couple of other points. Um, these are a little bit more personal questions that were submitted. What's your favorite memory of you and Piper? Well, Piper, uh, when we lived in a little <laughs> trailer down in Florida, uh, Piper would come and she'd always have on her cowboy boots. <laughs> Not much has changed. <laughs> and her little cut off jeans. And here she would come with her little do rag tied around her head. <laughs> and she'd stay with us maybe two weeks at a time down there in the wild. And, and she would absolutely uh, pay no attention to grabbing a pig heart or something when they were skinning out things. <laughs> 
that I mean, she was always the farm girl. I loved it. I wasn't always a. So, if you ever see pictures of our farm, um, one unique summer that Mammal just talked about is us planting all the trees together. Uh, we planted um, a driveway. We're two. We're almost three miles to the right, to the highway. Yeah. So we planted trees on both sides of the driveway all the way in, oak trees. And that was one of Ted and Piper's projects to have to go water those things every day. <laughs> Adventures. Oh, man. So tell us, another question was, how did you and Ted meet? Well, that is really a strange strange thing for two people to meet. <laughs> um, he, he always worked and always was not afraid of working, but he was 15 years old and he was over in a cornfield plowing a mule, of all things. So it was probably 100 degrees that day. And oh my, my mother said, I know that boy is so hot. Said, take him this Coca-Cola over there. And here I go through that cornfield. I'm 10. You're 10. I'm 10. Corn, <laughs> corn was higher than I was, I guess. But anyway. With Coca-Cola. <laughs> and, uh, and he would laughingly say that he had to wait seven years for me to grow up for us to get married. But I said, does that mean I bought you for five cents? Cokes were five cents at that time. But we were married 65 years when he passed and would have been 69 years this year. We miss him every single day. If he was sitting here, one question was, what do you think he would say if he was sitting here right now on this podcast? What do you do best? <laughs> when he would meet a new person or a stranger, he'd say, now tell me about yourself. What do you do best? And I've loved, so when I've interviewed people in the past, now I ask them, what do they do best? And that mm -hmm. look on their face is such an element of surprise. <laughs> well, this way people start talking about themselves, and, you don't, and you don't, you're not talking about yourself. It's, it's a very innovative way in his way to uh, find out about people. Yeah, and it's, it's so unique, and um, I wish we had Papal on here, but I think we've covered a lot to what you both spoke to and what you've built, and something that was so fun, and I hope that we can have a part two of our podcast while we're down at Christmas, and we can talk while we're on the farm and go over some of our things that we've learned so far within these next couple of years, but I thank you for being on here. And I love you very, very well, much. Well, I love you too very much. I'm very proud of you and, the, and what you're doing. Well, thank because you. I've always told Piper, if you have something that will work somewhere in it, you're not particularly fond of it, use it till you can afford to get something that you do like. So <laughs> you make do. <laughs> we've made do. We've made do. And we've, start, we've both started from the very ground up. And I thank you again for being on the podcast with me. And everybody, this will be on Spotify um, and all of your podcast channels. So stay tuned for uh, part two. Thank oh, you, everyone. Okay. Good luck, everybody.